I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome back to the She-Hulk Attorney at Law spoiler special which is spelled of course with two N's and one Y but, but it's not, not where you think. think Yes that's right it is mainly the Madison and Wongers spoiler special <laughs> with occasional mention of She-Hulk Attorney at Law uh, It's been a couple of weeks since we did our live show at the Pilot 200 uh, event uh, from my point of view the standout event of that day. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I noticed lots of people left after that. Uh, pretty much everybody. <laughs> Mainly in disgust, yeah. to be <laughs> But off they went. And uh, then we took a little break because of all the peak TV that's happening right now. We just couldn't, we, we couldn't spare, we didn't have the manpower or the time to dedicate to weekly spoiler specials for She-Hulk Attorney at Law as much as it pains me because I love this show. So we said we'd come back around about episode five, which is the first episode that... I don't know, uh, well, well, we'll get to it in a second, but certainly the first episode I hadn't seen in the previews. Uh, and I was assured by Tatiana Maslany and by the showrunner Jessica Gao that the quality does not dive off a cliff. So, yeah, it doesn't. I think, I think they were true. I yeah. think they were true of the word. I think we're doing okay. We're, we're doing okay. First non cameo, non big name cameo episode, mm. but I think this was a good episode. But anyway, I'm joined to discuss it by Helen O'Hara, two X's and one P. <laughs> But they, they're not where you think. <laughs> How are you? I don't, I don't know where they are, in fact, yeah. But I am an attorney at law, kind of. You are. <laughs> and there was a barista this month, this week's episode, so you must have been delighted with that. You must have recognised... Barrister. Barrister. And, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Uh, Queen's Council, King's Council, where are you? Where do you stand on that? <laughs> I did not stay in the law long enough to be either, thank God. I didn't have to rush to change my website this week. Oh, my God, you're like Stephen Seagal, you're above the law. That's correct. No, <laughs> that is not correct. All right. Uh, we're also joined by someone who has two L's and one Y, but it is where you think. It's Ben Travis. Hello, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Helloey. There's two there. L's and a Y in Helloey. Uh, there is, and but not in my name. So, but I'm here anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm really enjoying the fact that the episode of The Sopranos that Madison epically ruined for Wongers <laughs> is the episode of The Sopranos where I just stopped watching because it was too upsetting. Really? So I really connected with that moment. Which episode? The episode where, spoiler alert, uh, Adriana gets killed? That's the one. That's a tough episode. Uh, it's really brutal. But that's uh, okay because that's after Pine Barrens. So you could, yeah, you could argue Pine that Barons. you could just stop watching Sopranos with Pine Barrens and then you'd be good. Yeah. Uh, it was. I, I wish somebody had done what Madison did and warned me of what was coming because I think that's something where a spoiler maybe would have helpfully softened the blow of that horrifying, horrifying scene. Do you think, um, uh, we'll bring in our, our final colleague of such lethal cunning in a second. Uh, did I just say such lethal cunning? Did I just get a lisp? I think it just did. We'll bring in our final colleague of such lethal cunning in a second. But do you think in a weird way that the choice of show that they were watching. They were watching more than one show in Furnace, Wongers mm-hmm. and Madison but the choice of Sopranos episode might be priming us for a really dark turn for the show oh. <laughs> and, Whoa, that, and that no. there might be an episode where <laughs> No! I <laughs> refuse! Think, you don't think there's an episode where they nope. have to like you know, Nuh-uh. kill Nikki because nope. she's she's turned state's witness or informant or something like that? 
She knows where all the bodies are buried. I mean, again, their lawyers don't usually literally bury bodies. If they are, mm. that that, it, that would be professional malpractice. And there's no evidence that She-Hulk is unprofessional in that respect. Okay. All right. Well, our fourth and final colleague of such lethal cunning, I don't believe that for a second, by the way, Helen, uh, uh, but uh, is, uh, is spelt with two Qs and one... <coughs> but it's not where you think. <laughs> it's Sophie Butcher. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Um, I sadly have not seen very much of The Sopranos, so Madison did ruin it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine line, isn't it? It's, it's a dangerous show to, you know, I guess they had to choose something that was yeah. far enough back yeah. that most people would have seen it. I accept they, it. It's yeah. probably, it's on me. That's on me for they not having watched it. They also picked a show that is, I don't know, very well known, but a show that a lot of people now haven't seen and a lot of people spent lockdown going back and watching mm. things like The Sopranos. They probably could have picked something that was maybe a bit more well known, but could believably have been off Wongers's radar. Um, I, I We're just know. fully calling suggest, him Wongers now. Yeah, yeah, fully Wongers. Suggest, like, like Gilmore Girls, what would be off his radar? Biker like- Grove. See the episode, the episode where Ant and Deck yeah. where Ant or Deck is blinded. He yeah. can't Acid, see, uh, man. He can't see. Can it see, man? This is the episode where Ant and Deck get blinded. And, and, and I think you mean PJ and Duncan. PJ and Duncan, yeah, sorry. And it's just one of them, isn't it? It's PJ or PJ Duncan. PJ or Duncan, yes, yeah. I don't know which one. It's, know which one's it's which. Ant. But I don't know whether he's PJ or Duncan. I don't know either. <laughs> okay. Uh, because that's from your part of the world, isn't it? I know they're from Newcastle, mm. but you're in Middlesbrough. That's, that's near like, enough. That's near enough. <laughs> yeah. That's course. close enough. Why a man, etc. Way to offend most of the country. What? We're all friends. You know, listen, if we all just got along, wouldn't it be wouldn't the North East be a much better place? If everyone got the, you know, if, if mm. you, if 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 Geordies I mean, <laughs> held hands with Mackhams who Sorry. are people from Sunderland and people from Middlesbrough who are called what's Smoggies. The, no way. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Sorry. What? That's so Dickensian. You do know this because in the Top Gun Maverick spoiler special, I, don't I said maybe that could be my call sign. Smog. That's right. Because of all good. the smog, because it's such a nice place to be. I'm sorry. You, a Northern Irish person, are calling for people to get along in the Northeast. <laughs> Absolutely. I just, we got there I, in the end. We got there I mean, in the end. Do we know? <laughs> I don't know. We've you know, <laughs> days since no major incidents. <laughs> We're doing all right. We're doing okay. Anyway. Anyway, She-Hulk. She-Hulk. Yeah. She-Hulk. Uh, so, yeah. I was going to talk about episode five and then cycle back and talk about episodes two, three, and four and then how the show is doing generally. But um, I guess we're here just to talk about Madison, who was not in this week's episode. And I wonder if she's, if she's a, a one and done. Uh, and maybe that's the right amount of, it of might Madison. Be. Yeah, maybe. Might be. If we're if we're perfectly honest with ourselves, it might be not everything neat. Like if just because you love something doesn't mean you should get endlessly more of it because there might be something else out there that you would love and you just don't know yet. Precisely. Where do you stand, for example? Do you, it's like the Trevor Slattery thing, right? Mm. So I know, you know, I love Trevor Slattery and Iron Man 3. And by the way, I want a pair of Iron Man 3s. Those yes. things look incredible, even though we only saw them in the, uh, in the animated uh, credits. But, you know, Trevor Slattery was great in that film, had his own little Marvel one shot, but not many people saw that. Mm. Would that have been the perfect amount of Trevor Slattery or were you happy with him in Shang-Chi? I didn't like him in Shang-Chi. Oh, really I love those Shang-Chi scenes. If we'd have missed out on the too much. absolutely wacky Planet of the Apes riff. I like <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. Genius. That alone. It's, I don't know. I'm happy with that. I like that. But you said the one-shots there. A one-shot feels like the perfect... Yeah avenue for Madison. It's a shame. I really wish they still did bits of those Marvel one-shots, especially because a place like Disney Plus is the ideal place for those things to live. And I have so many ideas. Kevin, call me. 
<laughs> Why not do that? Like, because we get all these Simpsons one shots on Disney Plus Day. I'm doing air quotes, by the way, like Wong. Why, you know, why not do I'm more? <laughs> why not do Marvel one shots for for that kind of thing as well? Like, just you know, give us little treats that way. I would like treats, please. Treats, treats many, <laughs> many treats. And if the Empire Podcast team happened just you know just happened to write and I don't know maybe star in some of those treats, then. Well, well, I mean, so can, be it. They can pay us an Iron Man threes and they, money uh, and money, actual, <laughs> actual money, uh, actual Feige bucks that we can we can use in Kevin Feige affiliated stores. If we're getting Iron Man threes, I need two pairs: one to wear and one <laughs> in my collection. Yeah, yeah. One to rock and one to stock. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll put you in touch with our drip, drip broker. broker. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen, we were almost accidentally talking about episode five. Uh, let's talk about the show in general first of all, and then we can wax lyrical about Madison to our hearts' content later on. But okay, so we're five episodes in. We've talked about episode one in that live spoiler special, which if you haven't listened to it, go and check it out. It's a it's a lot of fun. Lots of discussion of Steve Rogers fucking in that one, as you might expect. <laughs> Less so in the in episodes two to five. Uh, but what do you think of the the show overall? I, I you know I for me guys I think it's very perilously close to being my favorite MCU show. I do enjoy the lower stakes thing, and I think mm, this is something yeah. we've talked about pretty much certainly since the first Avengers, if not before. The fact that these are good characters, and sometimes you just want them to be good characters and not have to save a city from being destroyed by a flying thing. Like sometimes it's just fun to watch them hang out. And and I think that's the real like you know success of this show so far. It's it's really a hangout show for the most part, with a tiny thread of plot going through it. You know, if, <laughs> the tiniest. If, the tini- if, if Titania is the baddie, the big bad of this season, she has barely been on screen before episode five. There have been she's been kind of you know in the background on newscasts for the most part mm. since the end of episode one. So it's in this tiny, tiny presence and this this very, very thin filament of ongoing plot. And mostly it's about the day-to-day business of figuring out how to be a superhero and what to wear when you change size by two feet every day when you go into the office. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. And uh, even going back to your your point there about Titania and uh, being the bad guy, uh, you know, there are other plot threads in play here who, uh, who... were the wrecking crew at the end of episode three? Who's the boss that they were referring to? I have I have a theory mm-hmm. whether we, that pays off in this. It, yeah, it's a leader. I think it's a leader. But you know, is it is it you know is oh, that I thought that be might revealed? be Titania, but that makes sense. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the leader trying to get her Hulk, blood, Hulk blood. Have some mm-hmm. Hulk blood. Uh, but you know, even Miss Marvel and even Moon Knight, which were relatively low stakes for a while became about saving the world and about, you know, this huge threat. And we're five episodes in and the biggest threat so far has been... A copyright case. Yeah, here's a copyright case. <laughs> we're suing you for infringement. Sorry, trademark, I should be... Trademark, mm-hmm. trademark of course. Oh my God, how you oh forgot If it's not mens rea, you're in shaky ground. <laughs> I object, Your Honour. Yeah, so this feels really, really low stakes. I think that this might be, you know, the lowest stakes Marvel thing we get until Blade. When there will be low stakes, high stakes, stakes all over <laughs> oh the place. Boy. Boom, boom, boom. Hello. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my point. Anyway, Ben, what do you think of the show? <laughs> I, mean, I have now finished speaking. Ben. <laughs> it's just a weekly delight, isn't it? Mm. I didn't go to the screening where they showed a bunch of episodes. So I've just been watching these as they've been dropping. Mm. And I think the fact that they've shifted it to Thursday, I always get to Wednesday and go, shouldn't there be a She-Hulk <laughs> episode? Have I missed that? When's that happening? Or... 
Monday is House of the Dragon Day, Friday is Lord of the Rings, mm. somewhere in the Tuesday middle there is She-Hulk. was only murders in the building. Right. But then <laughs> when the episodes do drop, I'm like, ooh, I've got a She-Hulk today. And it's not, as you say, because it's got that lower stakes plotting to it, it doesn't quite have the, ooh, I need to watch this right now or it's going to get spoiled for me. But when I watch it, I'm just like, this is this is so much fun. This is funny and and light. And I think maybe one of the best examples yet of Marvel going, let's make a TV show that happens to be a Marvel show and do Mm. it in the style of a TV show rather than going, let's take a Marvel story and present it in six parts, which I think sometimes has led to ups and downs in bits of storytelling and structuring and how the shows play out. Yeah. Whereas in this one, I just feel like uh, not to get into episode five too quickly, but all, the fact that the first ten minutes of this this week's episode was basically Nikki and Pug going mm, off together oh, and doing yeah. a thing, and having that kind of B plot to the um, the the main She Hulk story, really getting stuck into that and playing with the form and being a TV show, like a fun TV show about mm-hmm. fun characters mm-hmm. that also just happens to kind of connect with the Marvel universe is really working for me at the moment. Um, and I kind of, it makes me wish that going forward, Marvel maybe slightly more embraced going, hey, if we're going to make things series, let's make them work in the way that a TV show works. Because that's re- there's a reason why that has been done for, for decades and decades, yeah. because it's a good rhythm. Mm. Um, this is one of the first shows that hasn't, you know, someone can't go, I really saw this as a six hour movie. Uh, which of course never the, you know, the timings never add up anyway. Mm. But you know, a four and a half hour movie, you, know, you you can't say that about She Hulk. Yeah, and that's that's great. Uh, so, where do you stand on Jennifer Walters and her excellent adventures? Mm, yeah, I really like it. I I reviewed this for us. Um, I gave it four, and I was like, is this is this five? I was like, no, it's not. I think we need to wait out and see what the rest of it is like. But I was really surprised by it. I found it really refreshing. Um, and the thing I like most is what, what Ben's just articulated so well, which is how much it leans into the TV format. And once it gets like, it races through that origin story in the first episode. And then it feels like it gets into a swing where it's like a case each week. And um, it's lower stakes. It It gives them space to like explore these fun consequences of like the Marvel universe but mm-hmm. in a way that you feel doesn't sort of tie into like multiverses or anything epic that when we're so used to like everything having these like massive consequences for the for the universe but it's like you've got all these new Argas- Asgardians on the planet like what's going on there what are they doing and then <laughs> it's like yeah what would happen if someone like left Kamataj and was like a bit of a prick like what would they be doing um and so it's I, called doctor strange yeah <laughs> um i just think it's a really fun way to explore that sort of thing and this i know we have a loki season two so there is going to be a returning marvel show but this feels like something that could genuinely like run and run and doesn't necessarily have to connect in ways that other characters are do you know what it weirdly reminds me of? The thing that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started out as being, mm-hmm. where the whole point was like, hey, they are the cleanup crew. There is that episode where they're cleaning up the aftermath of Thor the Dark World and going, like, oh, we have to collect all the dark elf junk and like, oh, now there's, I don't know, other superhero people popping up and it's not really an Avengers thing, but I guess S.H.I.E.L.D. has to deal with that. 
And I quite liked that as a yeah. format. The the kind of everyday stuff happening around the edges of this universe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taking a very different approach to it, but it feels like that's quite a lot of the, the approach of She-Hulk. Yeah, totally agree with that. And it also kind of gives them a cover if they don't want her in the big team-up movies. Now, they might want her and she might want to be in them. But she is very clear as a character. She's a lawyer first and foremost. That mm. is her focus. That is her priority. That is what she wants out of life. Um, and therefore, that kind of gives them a little bit of room to play with in terms of how much they use She-Hulk in the in the movies and how much she just stays doing her own thing and interacting with characters, but in the way that Ben said, in the in the sort of cleanup crew kind of way, um, which I think is is clever, but also consistent with the character that we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. But I, uh, I do think she will be. Oh, I think she will. But you yeah. know, I'm just saying they can, they can yeah. kind of pick and choose their moments, and yeah. their battles, mm. li- literally. Indeed. Um, f- to use her, I'd expect so. to see her definitely in one of the two Avengers movies, yeah. if not both Avengers movies. And you know, and I, and I say this with love, and I say this with the best one in the world. I adore this show. I think it's fantastic, and I think the effects are considerably improved from that first, that infamous first trailer. Uh, but there are times when it's still not great. Is it? Let's be honest. Yeah, and no, it's, it it's, might be nice to see her on the big screen with. With, you know, Kate yeah. with the budget and see what you know. See if, if she could look as good as Bruce does, then great. It seems to me. I don't know if anyone else thinks this, but when she's in the office, they seem the worst. Uh, I actually thought it was walking out of court this week when the way she, her arms were swinging was a little bit off to me. It was a bit but, jerky. Yeah, yeah but but yeah. I mean, I think facially it's pretty good actually. But it's yeah, sometimes close the body ups gets, are great. Yeah, I yeah, think when she's like less attention on her dates and stuff, mm-hmm. and you get the close-ups. But for some reason, when she's in the office in that light in that bigger suit, <laughs> it just doesn't. That's the bit that works the least well the for me. The suit doesn't look real. I think that's one, no. that's one of the problems. Weirdly, the suit looks less real than then, the fact that she's a big green yeah. woman. And it I doesn't don't like have any know. texture to it, doesn't it? It looks a bit... I think that that's one of the reasons I'm very much, and this sounds very shallow, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing what her fashion designer comes up with. <laughs> yeah, because we've had a glimpse of that, right? That like purple and white sort of like athletic thing that she's going to wear, which I think will look much better um, than what Which she's currently in. Comic, you know, yeah. comic, yeah, uh, yeah. accurate. Because that'll look right. The thing I wonder is why they didn't, because she's still, she, <laughs> she's large, but she's still very proportional with herself. And I don't quite understand why they didn't do some of the perspective wizardry of something like Lord of the Rings, mm. where you uh, like treat everyone else as a hobbit and she's Gandalf. And still have Tatiana Maslany playing that. I think just that. cast children around her. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> else be a child. Like, maybe, maybe the problem is she's she's leggy and Tatiana Maslany, who is gorgeous Tat- and, and very incredible, small. is not leggy, mm. you know? That would probably be yeah. tricky because Tatiana's super short, right, isn't she? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. It feels like they've just gone, okay, let's just totally CG the character over the performance capture in a way that it's like, but can't you do certain things where she is literally wearing a suit very close to the camera and then you get the sense of it being kind of more tangible. Mm, yeah. Yeah, listen, I feel I feel bad in a way about harping on about the effects, but, you know, for me, I have to kind of almost get past sometimes the effect. You just go, okay, this is the effect and that's, that's the way it is. Uh, I would like it to be better. I would like it to be as good as the Bruce Banner Hulk is, but maybe that's something we can see down the line in the in the in the second season. Should there be a second season, or you know, when she appears on the big screen, as she mm. inevitably will. Um, but for me, it's just something I've, I've had to make my peace with it and get past it and concentrate yeah. on the characterizations and character and, and the performances. And she's fantastic. And now and again, it looks really, really great. 
episode four when she's squashing all the demons. The lighting, I think, has a lot to do with it, where she is mm-hmm. and carrying Hunky Doctor Man to, to you know, on, on the sofa with hunk, Hunky Doctor Man. All that stuff looks great. Tight close-ups because the show is about breaking the fourth wall, so you have to have an expressive, you know, it's not photoreal by any stretch of imagination, but then I guess neither is Bruce. But, you know, it just, it just it doesn't quite convince for me. So, But I've made my peace with it, and we're good. I think that is a thing where you just kind of, like, accept it, like this is just what she looks like just go with it but what's nice is that you can still see Tatiana coming through mm. like there'll be little expressions and hand movements and you can tell that she's there and so you just want it to be that little bit better because you feel like that would be like just the whole package so but it it's good enough and her performance capture is good enough that I think you can let it go the performance really sells it for me like Tatiana Maslany has been incredible in this show and she's so funny and mm. she's so sparky and there is a way of like delivering some of these gags that hits the mark but feels quite familiar but I don't know there's something about some of her line readings or some of her reactions to things that are really funny but they're just like a bit offbeat they're not what you typically do and it catches you in like a slightly off place where you're like that is, that is really funny no one else would have played this that way and it really works she just has all these like tiny little moments sometimes in the backgrounds of scenes as well her like reactions to things mm, yeah. and that uh, as it's going on, the more you explore that dissonance between She-Hulk and the power of She-Hulk and how everyone sees her as She-Hulk and then her being like still quite dorky Jen, um, that feels really fun. Like the the, mm. the widening of that gap, I think, is really lending itself to the comedy yeah. here. But it's not just a comedy either. There's that little moment in episode four when Hunky Doctor, who has a name, but I can't remember it, Hunky Doctor uh, rejects her when he sees Jen. And he just goes, um, sorry, you can keep my shirt. Or is it a sweater, man? Make up your mind, honestly. Uh, and he goes, and and her little, her expressions there at that point, it's just like, oh, yeah. it's kind of heartbreaking. But in, in the next in the next breath, she can have that funny banter with the, the process server and then deliver the best last line of the show so far. You know, well, that was a bummer of an ending. I bet there's a fun tag, though. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. She's so yeah. good. She's, she's even funny about the Doctor, sort of, well, Hot Doctor's a cliche anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, we know her heart's breaking. She's so... It's not breaking that much. He was, he, he was hot, but he wasn't that great. Um, but I, oh. I do feel like she's... Um, I just, I, she, I think she's wonderful. I think like Orphan Black should have been a calling card, but not enough people watched it. And she hasn't had the big breakout role since. So I hope this puts her on everybody's radar. You know, in the same way that The Boys is kind of doing a little bit already for Jensen Ackles. Like people are suddenly like, hey, this guy's really good and really hot. And I'm like... He's know. more than just a pair of nipples. I know, right? <laughs> He has eyes. He They're has up eyes. There. My mouth is up here, folks. <laughs> but it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a similar thing. You know, somebody who was absolutely astonishing in this one TV show that nobody watched. And then, you know, it's finally getting a bit of a breakout chance. I'm loving it. <laughs> I think that... How did you turn this around? I can Chelsea? always <laughs> turn this around to Dean Winchester. You it's like, me? It's like Joey and Friends. He can make anything dirty. Grandma's <laughs> chicken salad. <laughs> That's you with Jensen. Uh, Jensen Ackles. <laughs> I think that theme of um, the growing separation between She-Hulk and Jen is one of the most interesting things mm. about this for me. And that was came across quite a lot in episode five when um, the dates were sort of testifying about her and stuff like that. And that moment when the doctor kind of rejects her, when he, I mean, for one, it's Tatiana Maslany. Like, Get over yourself, dude. You're still punching. She's a 10. (laughs) But like, um, I just, that moment where he rejects, I just wasn't expecting that, like at all. And it was like, oh, wow, that's 
that's really awful. And like, I think the more that like the, and she has to do it at work. She has to be She-Hulk at work. And, you know, in the first episode, um, Banner was talking about like, you don't have another guy in there. You don't have an alter ego. And then she was like, no, 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 it's just me. But she's like, it feels like she's getting pulled further and further apart. And but in a really kind of, a sad way almost so it's just really interesting to see where that's going to go I think because it's really good I think on the demands that are placed on women to look perfect at all times and that you know that that's an incredible amount of pressure and Jen you know Tatiana Maslany is a, a beautiful woman but She-Hulk is this incredible unattainable level of perfection that's so hard for her to live up to and I think it's really interesting and, you know, I think it's going to explore it further in the next four episodes, mm. that disconnect that you're talking about. Mm. Whether it creates two specific personalities, I don't know if that's quite what you're talking about. No, but yeah. yeah, not quite, not literal personalities in the way that Bruce had, you know, a literal different person. But just, like, I find it is even more interesting that it's not quite that, that it's just mm. this like separation of presentation. It's the way the world reacts yeah. to her very much and also what she feels able to freely do. I mean, the, yeah. the remark about, you know, walking home with your headphones on, no big deal for She-Hulk, bit of a big deal for tiny Jen, mm. you know, and, and that kind of thing. I mean, sometimes it hits you over the head a little bit with that stuff. It does. But, but it is woven throughout the entire show. I even love the fact that they had her brother law-splaining to her this week <laughs> <laughs> about, you know how trademarks work, right? Cousin, <laughs> was our yeah, cousin, cousin, sorry, yeah. cousin. Uh, you know, it's that, that made me laugh because um, it's just the level of kind of patronization that people feel is okay with a five foot nothing woman versus a seven foot five Amazon. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's a big, big difference in the way the two are treated. And, and, and it's interesting seeing how she's kind of reconciling herself to the She-Hulk personality. There was a line this week about, you know, what I like about She-Hulk, all the magnificent hair, something like that. Yeah. It was, you know, I've only seen it once and it was mm. like at lunchtime. And there's also like the interesting thing, like even as a human, she's clearly intimidated by Renelle's Goldberry, for example. Oh my god! You know god. who? Which reasonable? I mean, my god, have you seen her? But you know, she's you know, so she she has this kind of uneasy relationship with herself as a human, and and now has this weird. And there's mm. almost there's almost an element, and they don't get into it. And I thought they might, and they don't. Of Goldberry being kind of, and I've forgotten her character name. I apologize. Um, being, Mallory. Mallory. Thank you. Of Mallory being a little bit like what the fuck? This She Hulk has come in and sort of almost like leapfrogged me by being mm. even taller and even more beautiful, you know. Yeah. And 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 there's a sort of there's an uneasiness there of it always being a little bit about how you look and not just what you do. But there's a really good example of that, I think, in this week's episode where we're in there they're in the courtroom. If you look at the scenes where I and mean, obviously Jen is embarrassed by um, the various testimonies and the way she's kind of having to humiliate herself with all these this, this possession of, of dickheads but if you watch her body language when she's sitting down at the the, the law table I believe is that what it's called Helen good you know, lord yeah <laughs> uh, when she's sitting down at the law table with Rennie Elise Goldsbury her body language she's almost cowed she's almost intimidated by being next to you know this incredible looking human woman <laughs> and there's that scene as well there's that shot where uh, Mallory stands up, and it suddenly is like, "Oh, are do you have superpowers? Because you seem you seem to be going on forever here. Are you stretching? Because the camera is just like, what's going on? And She's, she looks Amazonian as well. She seems to somehow dwarf Jenna's She Hulk, yeah. yeah. even though she <laughs> she doesn't obviously presence, man. Yeah, presence, presence. That's, Angelica. 
Yeah. She Hamilton. That's the next. (laughs) She has the power to rewind time through song and offer a different perspective. She gets a blood transfusion from uh, from Alexander Hamilton. I was going to say Anthony Hamilton, but he's a former World Snooker quarterfinalist. Uh, Very, very different guy. Yeah, she gets a blood transfusion from Alexander Hamilton. Uh-huh. And he got becomes, his powers uh, yeah. by standing in the middle of a hurricane. Yes. Okay. And she, then, and she, she becomes she Hamilton. Hamilton. But she can never be satisfied, so what does <laughs> she, that help her? But she is, she's definitely, she is not going to throw away her shot. That's true. He did. <laughs> she is not. Oh God, this is your 15th Hamilton spoiler special. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in the room where that happens. Yeah. Can I say that I do think there's a risk of them making a rod for their own back a little bit with some of the cameos. Because it got mm. to the point where we have this mysterious uh, superhero designer behind a door, and I was expecting... I don't know what I was expecting. You were expecting I was, somebody. I was expecting somebody. And with all respect to Griffin Matthews, who plays role very well, I was expecting, like, I don't know, Tim Gunn. I was expecting RuPaul. I was expecting this big personality of some sort. And, and, and I got a, a, a guy. You know, um, but I even, wanted like an Edna Mode level yeah. moment there. Yeah, this episode felt um, sort of temp. What's the word? Tempered down a little bit because it didn't have that big sort of yeah. moment. I mean, it did right at the end with the hint of what's to come, I guess. But who I kind of like that because <laughs> I you don't want it to rely on that. No, true, but I, I it still felt just yeah like a, a bit of a shift of expectation. It sort of set that up now that each week it's going to be like oh what's happening. But I like I like that this was the first episode because he, she even calls it out in episode three is like this isn't going to be one of those cameo of the week type shows when it's exactly that's what it has been so yeah. far. Uh, I like that this was the first one that didn't do that, but it also this was the first one that really properly gave us. Uh, Ginger Gonzaga as Nikki mm, mm. and and John Segarra as Pug. Uh, this was the first one, first time where they really got to strut their stuff and I, I really enjoyed that. In fact, it was quite gen light until yeah. the latter stages. I really want an Avengers t-shirt. Get me an Avengers t-shirt. <laughs> I think Avengers is better. It sounds a little bit more like it. <laughs> sounds more like New Zealand. Avengers. 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 Matt Murdock maybe we'll find out that for sure next week but if it's not if it's the same one from the Netflix shows he's really glowed up from that mm. guy in, in a garage somewhere <laughs> with a shed who's just like hey I'll make I'll make you some armor you help me out <laughs> on the streets to like how does he fashion, speak? something like that. Uh, maybe it's hey I'm walking here because hey, it's in New hey, York in Hell's <laughs> Kitchen I'll make you your suit um, but that guy pops up at <laughs> various points good, <laughs> thank you <laughs> What's that? <laughs> uh, a guy pops up th- at various points through Daredevil, mm. and it's like there's this street level guy in Hell's Kitchen who, at the back of a van, makes all the costumes. <laughs> and now he's got to the point where, like, some cool fashion dude <laughs> is kind of but we buffing up his helmet. We but, don't know how so much that cool fashion dude. Well, yes, we don't know how much that cool fashion dude takes to work on Matt Murdock's helmet. He might just, he might just like the fact that he's a superhero. It must be an emerging market, right? Superhero mm. fashion. Look at them all running around now. I, I honestly, I wondered if we, I wondered if we would get some references to exactly who else he had. I was like, was, look, I was. Yeah. Were you trying to keep an eye out? Yeah. It's some costumes. I was like, does that look familiar? But I didn't spot anything. But maybe someone else did. Well, I've only seen it once, so I'm hoping yeah. to see it, you know more on maybe a second viewing. But yeah, I couldn't see anything obviously, you know, 
giving giving stuff away. Because mm. they've with some of the other more street level characters. Obviously, for a long time, it was like Tony Stark does all the things. You you do enough Avengering, and Tony Stark's like, here, have a suit. <laughs> um, and then obviously at the end of No Way Home, it's like, okay, Spidey is making his own costumes again. Uh-huh. In Hawkeye, it was the cosplayers who made the suits. Oh yeah. So yeah. they've kind mm-hmm. of done a little bit of that here and there of like, oh, this is where this person gets their costume from. This is and Ms. Marvel as well. She kind of gathered her suit, and her mum and dad made mm-hmm. it over the course of that show. Where did Falcon get his new one? That was that Stark Tech, but not obviously it, it the was new Tony. Captain America one. Yeah, the new Captain America one. It was made for him by it was Wakanda. Made for him. Wakanda, oh. that's right. Yes, thank you. Um, so maybe there's not that much room at the moment for like, oh, this guy made all these other costumes because they've kind of accounted for quite mm, a few of them so yeah. far. But mm. now that they have this guy in, and as much as he wasn't a name, I thought that was a really fun performance mm, of the guy who was, played yeah, Luke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be happy to see him again as having a fun kind of fashion character whose job it is to come up with all the costumes which also then gives you an excuse of the thing that they've been doing in phase four a lot which is let's do the comics accurate costumes Mm. and have it a point that in this universe now people are aware of superheroes people love superheroes and they expect their superheroes to look like superheroes so we don't have to like make the costumes look gritty and realistic we can have them in superhero-y costumes because these characters are very consciously consciously (laughs) I got there before you guys. <laughs> I know it's coming by now. You beat me by uh, one second. Um, uh, but yeah, we expect them to look like that so we can make a point of having a person whose job it is to make them look yeah. like uh, that. And maybe, well, first of all, no capes, uh, obviously. Uh, no. Doctor Strange has no a cloak. Capes. No capes. But uh, maybe he is doing people we haven't seen yet. Maybe he's mm-hmm. been decking out the X-Men. And maybe he's been doing the Fantastic Four designs, in which case Jennifer Walters may be wearing two of his uh, his uh, outfits down the line. Because mm. mm. she's in the Fantastic Four from time to time. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go through very, very quickly the previous episodes. Let's start with episode two. Any standout things, any standout moments about episode two? So that was Emil Blonsky's uh, bail hearing episode, correct? Yes. Um, um, that was fun. I will say that. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed his... I enjoyed... Do you know what I really enjoyed? I enjoyed his incredibly disrespectful body language while still professing to be a reformed character. And he's just kind of like, like sprawling in his chair going, yeah, yeah, I'm totally reformed. So sorry about everything. It's really bad of me, whatever. Um, you know, it just... It was a really nice piece of performance. It was a really nice contrast between what he's saying and what he's kind of communicating otherwise. Yes, yeah. I, I liked a lot of stuff. I mean, I like all these episodes so far. Uh, uh, what about you guys? The Blonsky stuff is kind of spread out over two episodes, isn't it? So That's you've right. got him in, introduced in episode two. Um, something that was interesting for me was um, Bruce Banner going off on that ship. I can't mm. remember what the ship yes. was now. It's a Sicarian ship. Sicarian ship. Sicarian ship. Um, yes. That was intriguing. I wonder what that sets up for future things um, yeah I thought Tim Roth was really funny um, I liked that he had his seven soulmates that he met <laughs> through the pen pal thing <laughs> that feels very like true crimey Netflix documentary vibes um, that was really great I liked um, meeting Pug I think he's mm. a really nice character you've got all these like idiot men in this show but he just like even though he's like very handsome or whatever he just has like a warmth to him doesn't he even when they first meet him and, and he doesn't seem to be I know in the comics he has developed a uh, an unrequited crush on Jen, on, on She-Hulk. Uh, but he doesn't seem to be in going down that avenue. Here. No. If anything, I thought, 
he and Nikki him have and more Nikki. of a connection. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think so. And I, th- I, I like that about him. I like, you know, you know, I've talked about this a lot in terms of Cap and, and Black Widow, but I really like just friendships between men and women and um, and a sort of sense of maybe here's a guy who does have my back and I, I don't have to worry about hitting on me and just, you know, I can just work with and not have to think about it more. And, and they seem to have that vibe at the moment, which I really, really enjoy. Mm. I did think that the transition from her being fired to heading up the superhuman law division at the firm that she had just prosecuted against and then how open they were with, like, we want She-Hulk to be the face. That all felt, like, quite quick. And I don't know, that felt a little bit rushed, but I think it kind of had to be just to, like, get things set up and get get her doing cases there. Yeah. So I get it, but it felt a little bit rushed to me, maybe. I, I think it was quite clever, though, to get into, again, as you've talked about, the, the idea of, you know, her being kind of used mm. for She-Hulk and, and this being something that they want to kind of exploit the way that She-Hulk looks and, and the, the presence of She-Hulk rather than necessarily being focused on her actual existing legal skills, which she yeah. has, which are a thing. Um, but it was more, you know, it was less like, you know, we just want you for your legal skills and more like we want you because you're She-Hulk. And mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of, again, dispiriting, you know, this this these these ego blows that she keeps facing from from her dates and so on but also from her employer yeah you know so um it was it was a really nice um or a really nasty but a really, you know a really clever piece of writing i think as well that second episode uh, all these episodes are really good fun and really enjoyable the second one is the one for me that feels the most like a transitional mm. episode mm. it's like you get to the end of episode one and we've spent a lot of time establishing how and why she's got the powers, working with Bruce, you get your big opening episode that's like, ah, Hulk and She-Hulk in the same thing, but you still need an episode to get her to the point where she is just taking on cases and you can do the case of the week thing, which is what it's done for the three episodes since that. So for me, the middle that second episode is a, is a good episode with some fun stuff in it, but it still feels like continued setup. And I remember getting to the end of that episode and thinking, well, uh, that was enjoyable, but it feels like, okay, now Now the show is just Mm -hmm. beginning. Um, So solid ep, but I think I've preferred some of the stuff that's come since then because it's just getting you to the point where they can do what the show Mm. actually is. Two questions. First of all, do we think that this is the the end of Ruffalo in this show? Do we think we'll see Bruce Banner slash the Hulk again? And uh, where is he off to? I if we see him again, I don't think it'll be very much. I agree. There might be like phone calls, or they might be in the last episode or something. But I don't think there'll be a ton of it. Mm. I, the show seems to like same with like just to move on like Wong and um, Blonsky. I think it'll kind of leave them behind as it goes. Maybe even Titania. But I quite like that about it that it's just kind of moving on. But I have no idea where he's going on his ship. I mean, is he going? Back to Sakaar? Who's still on Sakaar? The Grand Master is still there, right? Well, He's kind of captured by one of the groups of marauding people after the uprising. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. who knows exactly why he's going? I have a theory. As a demon? Bunnies? I have a theory. A dancing demon. Uh, yeah. no, something isn't right there. I have a theory that he has a son waiting for him on Sakaar and he has to go and deal with that because the Sakaar storyline in Thor Ragnarok was essentially Marvel's way of doing Planet Hulk without doing Planet Hulk. So Planet Hulk is a storyline in which the Illuminati, bunch of dickheads, decide that 
the Hulk is too dangerous to be allowed to remain on planet Earth. And so they unilaterally decide to banish him into space. Banish? Banish him <laughs> into space. Uh, he winds up on Sakaar, uh, where he is hulked out, I think, pretty much permanently, if I remember rightly. And falls in love and has a son called Scar <laughs> uh, from Sakaar. <laughs> uh, you know, a bit, bit, bit Brooklyn Beckham there, but, you know, we'll let it go. And Does he have another son called Mufasa? Because yeah. that's <laughs> really that badly. End badly. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, he decide, he comes back to Earth, ultimately very angry about reasons I uh, won't go into, uh, and that leads to the World War, World War Hulk storyline, which, you know, I still think is something that they, I'd love to see on the big screen, I'd love to see Hulk fully just unfettered and unleashed because that that's that's a pretty terrifying prospect for the Avengers to deal with. But I think that's where potentially he may have gone back. And it was like during your you when the during the phase when you were hulked out on Sakaar and you were a bit of a playboy, you may have got a kid. Only thing about that is uh-huh. his body language is very relaxed in that phone call we see him take on the ship. So if he is, if that is what's happening, I don't think he knows about it yet because mm-hmm. I don't think Bruce Banner, who has talked about the fact that he, he wishes he had mm-hmm. kids and, and believes he can't, I don't think he would be that relaxed at that moment mm-hmm. if he knew there was a kid waiting for him. So I'm not saying that's not what's happening, but I don't think that's something he's been told if it is. All right. Okay. Well, in the case, what's your what's your thinking? Oh no, he may have been called back to Sakara for reasons. I, th- I think that's the most likely thing. But, but you I don't left know. the iron on. You left. <laughs> no, but like you know, somebody's looking for you. We've got an opportunity. You're, you're needed by an old friend. Like something like that. Yeah. Totally, totally buy yeah. that. But I don't think someone has told him at that moment we see that he has a kid waiting for him. Is that a way of taking him off the board? In terms of, hey, whenever the Avengers are being attacked in the Kang Dynasty, we don't have one of the most powerful Avengers knocking around. Or is it a way of getting him into space for things like Guardians 3, for things like the Marvels? I think the most important thing is if that is the case, that this season of She-Hulk has to end with him calling Jen, telling her what's happened, uh, that he's got this kid on the car, and then she leans back and she goes, The Incredible Hulk <laughs> Maybe maybe she'll have to fight his custody case. No. <gasps> oh I'm very potentially here for the dad era of the Avengers, especially after the end of Thor Love and Thunder, which is just a, a spoilers for that film, but hey, it's on Disney Plus now. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> what are you doing? Stop listening to this and go watch <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder. Just, you know, we got a little hint of it in Endgame with Tony, R.I.P. Um, oh my God, that, that is a spoiler. Spoiler for yeah. Endgame. Oh, oh my God. God. Can't Just, believe he's They're all father. dads now. Hawkeye led the way and, you know, get them all in their dad era. Yeah. They're just small agents, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who else is a dad in the Avengers or in, in the MCU? Who else is a dad? Ant-Man. Or, or, uh, or, uh, or indeed a, a mother. Uh, Scott Lang. Scott Ant-Man. Lang. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we're, 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 we're distinguishing between dads and daddies at this point. <laughs> what's a oh, well, okay. What's, what's a zaddy? Zaddy is Oscar Isaac in pretty much anything. Yeah, have, right? <laughs> That's correct. But what is it? What's the, what's the term mean? It's like super daddy. It's what? like It's like beyond daddy is zaddy. <laughs> so, I don't I, uh, I don't know, Sophie. <laughs> no, I want to see you keep talking. You're the one who tried to explain it to yeah. me. So, you know. I feel like, if, okay, if we're on Oscar Isaac, um, Mark Spector is daddy. 
but Duglito Atreides That's true. is Zaddy. He's a Zaddy. What about Stephen Grant? Nephew. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, bless him. He's Lovable. many things, but he's not a daddy. <laughs> no. <or Zaddy. laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, listen, we may have gone off the beaten path. Us? <laughs> Who'd have thought that? Uh, but yeah, I don't think that Bruce will be back. Uh, as in, I don't think we will see him on screen with She-Hulk because I initially thought that's where the show was going to build to, a big showdown with Hulk standing next to Hulk and, you know, the cousins kicking ass. But I think that would kind of just undermine and diminish her a little bit, maybe, mm. if, if he came in and helped save the day at the end. Yeah, so. yeah it, that, that tends not to be the way that these shows go. You know, like even think Spider-Man and, and Tony. You know, Tony's there up to the sort of middle act, but it's Spidey who has to face the big bad in the end. It's yeah. a sort of launching your mentee, and I think that's probably the case. So I, 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 I'm inclined to agree with Sophie. I think we might see Bruce again, but in a small fashion, possibly on the end of a phone, not necessarily in a big way. All right. The thing that I hope they do with these shows a bit more is towards the end, instead of making it like the biggest episode mm. where there's a battle, make it the she-hulkiest episode. Mm. Make it the funniest episode yeah. with a bunch of like fun things with those characters rather than she has to do a big fight or we have to get Bruce Banner back in. Like if I, as much as I loved One Division and I liked the end of One Division, if the end of One Division was this big mad televisual explosion hopping through decades of TV and with something really conceptual, that might have felt more in keeping with the unique thing about that show mm. beyond, oh, she needs to have a big magic fight with somebody. Yeah. And I think they've maybe got into that trap a little bit with these shows where they've gone, mm. okay, at the end, they need to fight somebody. And that's never the best episode of the no. series. No. And I think they're doing really interesting things in these shows. And She-Hulk has been so much fun so far that I kind of don't want the final episode to be a big like, ah, now she's going to fight somebody. I want it to be the the funniest, weirdest, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. most difficult course, yeah. court case that she yeah, has like to do. Yeah, like a big case. or right? Because I think they could um, be doing a bit more with the courtroom stuff. I think like it's interesting and it's an interesting device to bring these characters in and that's what she's working on each week. But I feel like that element of things could like step up a bit. I, I like, object. <laughs> I feel like the Blonsky parole hearing was the closest to getting to that yeah. level. So yeah. you have a bit of transformation, you have a bit of magic, you have people getting terrified that things are going to go horribly wrong. Uh, you have seven soulmates waiting in the wings. Um, you know, and it just gives, it gave her a lot to work with. Even yeah. though the only problem with that in terms of a finale is of course she was mostly reactions to what yeah. was going on and trying desperately to get back in control of it. So I guess you want her to be a bit more proactive mm. in your finale. Yeah. But but there's probably a way to balance those too. But but that kind of a thing I think is is absolutely where they should be going. Because it's such a funny conceit, this mm. idea of a case of the week show, but the case of the week just happens to have superpowers is such a, a funny idea. And I, I suspect, I, I, I don't know whether it was a mistake, but I watched the mid-season trailer as oh, well. And that, that seems to indicate and hint at certain things that are going to happen. And it does seem to be a little bit more punchy, punchy, boomy, boomy. Um, but I hope that there's still character moments. I hope there's still levity. I think there I will be. not be surprised to see Matt Murdock. But I don't know how that would work because he's a New York public yeah, defender. But how thing. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the courtroom he's with her. He's not a public point. defender. He's is a he defense lawyer. He's a defense mm. lawyer. Okay. So, uh, so, but either, either, mm. either so, how does he end up in a yeah. L.A. Uh, courtroom? Presumably but, he, he turns up to 
the collector's outfit and mm-hmm. gets into some kind of shenanigans. 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 So I saw a clip of Daredevil and She Hulk at D23, <gasps> and um, it was great. I Ooh. love Matt Murdock so much. Um, it was them. It was them outside this like warehouse thing, and they were debating about um, the difference between henchmen and goons, <laughs> like what the Amazing. motivation, motivational difference between the two. And um, so, and I think Jen was in her like um, uh, hero outfit, like her purple and white thing, and they were obviously going to kick off some sort of fight. But it was it was really great. The chemistry between them was great, and like she was getting introduced to like his powers and things like that. But um, I don't know how um, Matt actually gets to LA and what what the reason is. But he they flies. they definitely do some sort of ass kicking together. He's really interesting because this is really going to be the second time we've seen Charlie Cox in the MCU, and I would expect to see him in next week's episode. Uh, and I hope he sticks around for more than one in a way that Tim mm. Roth did, mm. and maybe may do again. Maybe may do again. I don't know whether Wong's going to come back. Wongers is going to come back, but uh, but Charlie Cox leads me to Wongers in a way because they both strike me. Daredevil, Matt Murdock, certainly in the MCU, is going to strikes me as a character who can plug and play with pretty much anybody, mm. and that's tonally a very interesting tightrope to walk. In that you know, in the Netflix iteration, and I know that Charlie Cox said some statements at D23 or said something in an interview at D23 which got people all kinds of confused about whether this is the same character that we've seen in the Netflix shows who's now just showing up in the MCU or whether this is a reboot but just with the same actors. Mm. I don't think that's been definitively answered yet by Feige. Um, You know, whether all this past is prologue Mm. or whether you can just wipe out the, the Netflix shows completely. But I guess the factor on Disney Plus means that people would want them to be in canon. But those shows are incredibly dark, incredibly specifically dark. And now here he is showing up, playing with Spider-Man, playing with She-Hulk. You know, he's going to be an Echo next, I think. Then he's going to be obviously in his own show, which I imagine will be quite dark and very daredevil-y. But he just strikes me as someone that you can kind of drop into any situation. And Charlie Cox is such a good actor. And I think that's similar with Wong Mm. and Benedict Wong in, in that... You know, he could be the comic relief, but you can also put him into a situation of dire peril as you do in Multiverse of Madness and he works brilliantly. But you can also put him in in an utterly absurd scene with Madison and he just works nicely. Yeah, I think it's because both of them are very warm Act, like humans, Mm. you know, both of them when they're off studio have a very warm kind of likable presence. But also they have that dry wit, that, that kind of understated wit where they sort of underreact to th- to horrendous and awful and enormous things happening. And I think both of those really help them play well with others, if that makes sense, on screen. It means that they've got that, um, that they're, they're going to be funny and supportive in the scene and it's kind of going to work, mm. even if other people are going like super big and dramatic and they, they can sort mm. of just be the the sly, witty presence off to one side. Yeah, because in Daredevil, you don't see it a lot, but sometimes Matt is happy, sometimes, and he's charming and he's funny when he's with Karen, when he's with Foggy. And that's the that's what you saw, come that part of him is what you saw come through in that clip from She-Hulk and his interaction with her. So I think the potential for the character to work in that setting is absolutely there. And it doesn't yeah. undermine the tone of what his own show will be, I'm sure. I'm so glad they didn't recast. I'm so glad they yeah, just went, same. you know yeah. what, we've, we found the perfect Daredevil and you know, we're going we're to carry on with him. But the, the thing about Wong, there's a couple of things about Wong I want to get into. 
before we pick up some of the key moments from episodes three and four. Uh, one, you're talking about the case of the week show and what this show could be and how funny it can be if it leans into that. Uh, and I think that leads to, I think for me, the single funniest moment of the show so far. Certainly when my wife watched this with me, she laughed so hard I had to stop I had to pause it and let her kind of catch up. Uh, it's a bit where he has just got abomination off, so to speak, and Golly. he's just testified. And then the uh, the guy turns to me and goes, <laughs> well, you do know that you aided and abetted the, uh, the uh, felon escaping, and that itself is a felony. And Wong immediately just goes, I must depart. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, he comes back for this whole court case. And, like, he does, is, he not, yeah. is he not worrying about being on the run and still being they, and doing this case? Human laws mean nothing to him. No. They, they haven't brought charges. I mean, they could, but they have not yet clearly brought charges. They didn't even try to be yeah. like, oh, stop him. <laughs> it was like, yeah, he's off. He's off. Yeah, it's <laughs> so funny. I also love the bit you almost miss about um, how uh, I'm about to say, call her Ginger but how Nikki gets a hold of yeah. him which is that she posts a thirst trap with some <laughs> <laughs> and you see, see the, his LinkedIn profile and it says yes. he worked at Target <laughs> and he was a librarian slash he's, he's uh, either a sorcerer in, in New York or a librarian in Nepal <laughs> you see that uh, Ginger Gonzaga uh, on her Twitter account actually then took a shot of herself with a bunch of books and, <laughs> and posted the thirst trap picture oh, uh, yeah she's very, so funny she's she is so, so, she's so, so funny and I, I loved her in this week's episode I think she's yeah. she's terrific but uh, but the other thing I want to talk about Wong is how do you feel about Wong and how he's been used as a character in the MCU I had I had a, a discussion slash semi argument with uh, Amon the other day we we went for lunch after seeing the pure cinema adrenaline rush that is Ticket to Paradise and <laughs> uh, we were just chatting about I think it was we, dinner it wasn't dinner it was pre-dinner because uh, I had dinner when I went home I, I, that, I mean, was a, that was a start. That was a starter. That was a starter. Five p.m. Guys, all right. Well, brunch. Oh my god! Amon calls any meal he eats lunch as well. And it just upsets me. <laughs> Why is brunch a thing, but like lunch slash dinner? Yeah, dunch. Uh, Lupper. Dunch. Lupper. Linen. Linen. Lee. Lee. Yeah. yeah. It's thing. your tea, not your dinner. Get it right. Yeah, fucking idiots. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we were having a conversation about She-Hulk and he was going, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fun-loving guy and I like to laugh, which any fun-loving guy who likes to laugh usually has to start any sentence with saying that. You know. <laughs> That's true. But I'm a fun-loving guy and I like to laugh. Uh, <laughs> it's also on his Tinder profile. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, How do you saying, know? Uh, um, Chris posted his a thirst trap. His matcha profile. It was me with a picture of Kevin Conroy. <laughs> 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 oh dearie me mm. ha 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 anyway he was saying that he loves his show but he is not happy with the way that they are bending Wong's character and that he's meant to be the Sorcerer Supreme now he kind of lucked into that position I'm saying because <laughs> the outstanding candidate was dust <laughs> so, <laughs> basically they went would you like to do this and you know he's meant to be Unimpeachable. He's meant to have incredible morals and and be you know ethically set apart from the rest of us. And instead, he's been a bit of a sleazy scuzzbucket. I mean, okay. In fairness, the last sorcerer supreme and the other candidate you mentioned have both broken their own laws multiple times. So I don't think he has to be ethically untouchable. Mild fight clubbing is fine for me Mild in comparison to what the ancient one did. He said that was part of his training as well, right? It was. I don't, I mean, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not sure I buy that, but he's, that is what he said. I don't buy that at all. But he's you know he's he's sitting at home in camertage and he's 
you know, getting down. He's watching The Sopranos and he's hanging out with Madison. And I hope that that's a love story that spans the <laughs> the, the entirety of the MCU Even now. Even You know, and he's a little bit, he's a, you know, he's a bit fascia, wasn't he? He's a bit, a little bit woo, a little bit wee, a little bit like, you know, he's a, bit, he's a bit like that. Yeah. So I, I just, I actually, this all kind of, works for me. I mean, mm. when we first met him, yes, he was very serious about his job, but he was also listening to Beyonce while he, mm. you know, filed books in that library or whatever. I, so, you know, he's not self-serious beyond all reason. He's just a guy who t- has a crusty exterior who takes a little bit of time to get to know. I, d- I don't feel like... I, I'm kind of on board with all of this crazy Wong stuff because mm. it just feels like he's a guy who just has another set of rules and kind of just does what he wants. He's a guy who perhaps has been overpromoted, and he knows no. that he's. Oh he my knows, god! He knows that he is perhaps not quite worthy of being Sorcerer Supreme. Is, so he's making so, hay while the sun shines. You are so harsh. His, I love Wong, but come on. The whole episode four is him upholding the sanctity of, of magic. their magic. Right? <laughs> he's doing what a Sorcerer Supreme would do. <laughs> Yeah. And also, I mean, the, you know, the thing about like... Why is that funny? <laughs> Just the way he does it. It's yeah. very funny. The that whole about... exchange of, uh, we have to do this by the book. The book of Vishanti? <laughs> no, the book of American <laughs> laws. laws yeah. <laughs> it's more than one book, actually. Um, but I think it sort of kind of works, because if he is Sorcerer Supreme, he has to keep himself at a remove from the other you know, people in Camortage. We've seen he's kind of their boss. He's their schoolmaster. He has to kind of keep them on their toes. The the leaders of the Hong Kong and London sanctuaries seem like, you know, they're just people who exist in the world. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, he's seen what happens when he gets a bit too close and too chummy with Strange, which is that Strange goes off and does some completely crazy shit and threatens the universe. So it's probably best if he stays at a remove and just watches you know, cute TV with Mila yeah. Ventimiglia yeah. and Mandy Moore getting yeah. really emotional with each other. Oh, was that This Is Us? This yeah. Is this oh, us, yeah. okay. I couldn't place the show. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's that's probably a slightly wise thing for him to stay at something of a remove. I, 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 know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But his version of something of a remove means fight clubbing with the abomination to improve your skills and powers but really I'm guessing to make a shitload of money uh, he also I love him both well we both saw so we did see if you remember back in Avengers Infinity War like uh, he didn't have the money for a tuna melt you know so that that experience this shamed him, him this is him trying to support not just himself but potentially the whole of Camartage okay yeah okay I get it but I also love that his attempt to be at a remove uh, from the rest of the sorcerers and whatnot is to in both episodes, when a problem comes up that he doesn't like, just throw it into the mirror dimension. And I love that with, with Donnie Blaze, he goes, we could put him in the mirror dimension, he probably won't even die. <laughs> I love that line. And he's a little bit before he goes, uh, we're not erasing people's memories again. <laughs> yeah. what, what has this guy done? Again, so has Strange. You remember the party that, Strange, that nobody else Spider-Man? remembers? Strange is a terrible person. He okay. is a car crash of a human being. All I'm saying is that uh, I don't think, I don't think that the Sorcerer Supreme should be unimpeachable. I think it's very fun that he has all these foibles and he's very, very human and that he's a little bit Del Boy. That's all I'm saying. I think he's, you know, he could get, if you want something, Wong could get it for you, no questions asked. <laughs> know what I mean, Governor? That's what I think it is. Do we think that the fight with Abomination in Shang-Chi was, do we think, like, 
this, the way that carries on in She-Hulk was conceived at all when that was included no. in Shang-Chi. Do you think they've just like taken that and yeah. run with it and thought, let's bring Abomination into this? Yeah, it's Hulk 100%. related. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, interesting. Because I, I think that um, either Jessica, I think it was Jessica Gao said that initially when they were planning the show, that they wanted it to be the trial of the abomination stretched over eight or nine episodes, and then they they weren't. None of us know how to write a legal show, so, <laughs> so <laughs> we, we decided to change it into something else. Uh, brings us very quickly onto episode three, uh, which has got lots of fun stuff going on in there. It's got the the Blonsky A story. It's got literally a moment where Jen turns to camera and goes, "The A story and the B story meeting up. Nice." Uh, the B story is about the shape shifting Asgardian elf. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Megan the Stallion. This is what I was saying in terms of. On the one hand, I haven't been necessarily waking up every week and going, "Oh, I have to watch She-Hulk before it gets spoiled for me." But I did with that episode. I was like, "Well, there's been a lot of cameos. I don't want the, the uh, cameo to get spoiled for me." Not the cameo that I was expecting, no. Megan the Stallion, but it was incredible. It absolutely cracked me up. I love that this show went there and that it's able to do things like that. Like they are just having so much fun, fun with this show and everything around it like all of the social stuff they did yeah. that week around the Megan the Stallion thing as well they had like bits of of art in the style of the end credit sequence of those two like twerking together and they did a version of the Disney Plus logo that goes ding and instead of the ding at the end of the arc it did Megan the Stallion's little <laughs> and the fact that that exists because of She-Hulk is just incredible. Um, I would die for you. I would kill for you, Megan the Stallion. I would kill. The <laughs> way she said it, like, so st- I would kill for you, Megan the Stallion. She's like, die the back. <laughs> it's just the fact that we have a show that is able to do these things and do it with so much fun and it doesn't break anything and it doesn't ruin anything and it's just a fun, cool thing for them to do makes me very happy. I think that shows, again whatever people's kind of ups and downs with this most recent phase, the way that they've broadened things out, the way that they've brought so many characters in, the way they've diversified the tone as well as Mm -hmm. the casting feels really notable. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying this weirdly experimental phase of the MCU and I think She-Hulk really fits into that. Yeah, you talked about the uh, the stuff they did on Twitter in real life, but there's there's two kind of there's two lines in episode three and four that just make me tickle. Uh, that, that make me tickle. That made me. Who <laughs> did you tickle, Chris? <laughs> yeah, Tell who? me. <laughs> I won't say. <laughs> I've taken a fifth on that one. Uh, it was Megan the Stallion. Uh, so the the. First one is in episode four where Jen goes, bet you're glad that Wong's back. I love that guy. He he basically he gives us Twitter armor for a yeah. week, uh, which is really fun. But also that little montage in episode three where, you know, it they predict accurately and depressingly, it has to be said, they predict the onslaught of the uh, man babies who mm. are review bombing the show because it has the temerity to be about a woman. Either they wrote that very cleverly and in reaction to what they expected the reality of this to be or they waited and used the specific wording of some of the comments that came in after the trailers dropped because there was something going around online of like comparisons between what was on screen and some of the real quotes of tweets that that came out when the trailer first arrived. I I think they were able to call it. It's not a surprise at this Mm. point what these Mm. people come out with. It's the same with the Lord of the Rings stuff. It's the same with all of this Little Mermaid stuff. My God. Mm. 
Because <laughs> that that line about Wong gives us Twitter armor for a week, the fa- how premeditated that line was, on the one hand, was really funny and it fit the fourth wall breaking stuff, but also kind of sad that mm. they knew that that was going to be the reaction and that they could just pre-write that joke in and know that it was going to be touching on something real. It's, it's, it's quite depressing that that was the case, and I feel like that's what they're doing a lot with... Jen's character of the things that they're pointing out about her experiences as a woman and what that means for her just existing in the world it's it's funny but it comes from a place of like oh that sucks mm-hmm. you know? I mean it sucks I mean I'm, I'm just looking here at the IMDB ratings for the shows for the episodes so far uh, the highest rated episode in the IMDb, which of course is very democratic in that anybody can review and give a rating out of 10 to a film or a TV show. And it doesn't even necessarily matter that they've seen it. Mm-hmm. and Or even if it's released, they can sometimes uh, you know, influence the, the rating of a show or a film before it's come out, which is, wow, wild democracy. Love it. Uh, anyway, the highest rated episode so far is the first episode, which has 6.5 out of 10. Uh, and then after that, we have episode two, which is 6.2 out of 10 on the IMDb. Uh, episode three, which is a really fun episode, 5.6 out of 10. Uh, episode four, 6.1 out of 10. I mean, what the hell do you want? It's got Madison in it. And uh, today's only has 587 reactions so far, but 5.6 out of 10 for today's episode. And honestly, I I would guarantee you, pretty much guarantee you, that 95% of those reviews are for people who haven't seen or engaged with material. And it's it's horrible and depressing. And you'd you'd hope, and I I would imagine, that Kevin Feige and his team are not basing the success of She-Hulk on things like that. That They know what they've got. Same with Captain Marvel, same with Ms. Marvel, um, both of which were massively review-bombed, and then Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. Ms. Marvel, I think, you know, struggled a bit more just because it struggled to be noticed, I think, in the the churn of of streaming right now. But I I think it will very, very much find its audience over time. I think it's such a charming show. It's so, so lovely. Um, this keeps happening. And, and, you know, all we can do is actually watch the things that we like and show support for people who aren't yeah. straight, cis, white, able-bodied men. You know, it would be nice. Oh. I mean, nothing wrong with them, some of my best friends, etc. But, like, not the only group who are allowed to have their story told on the big screen I'm sorry, or what? small screen. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need to talk about this. I didn't, I didn't get that memo. Oh, God, my world is crumbling in front of my and very it's, eyes. It's, it's just not enough in, anymore to say you like Ripley or you like Sarah Connor. Like, fuck off. I do off like with Ripley. I, I do, do too. Like Sarah I do Connor. too. Oh, my God. But we that's not friends. enough. We oh. need more. Okay. It's like they weren't calling that walk, though, just because it had a woman at the beginning. It's like in, at the center. This is their argument, though. That, that it's the whole thing. That the, they're like, well, they like that, so they can't be yeah. misogynist, mm. you see? I can't be misogynist. My mum is a woman. Like, you know, it's it's a bit like that. as a anyway, father, as a, as, a, as, a as a father. father listen, <laughs> listen, as a father of a daughter, women rock. Yes. Okay. I have found in the last three weeks, three weeks. that women are human. <laughs> I have learned so much about women, their names <laughs> for a start. So Heather, uh, take us out. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I don't know how much we've, <laughs> we could talk about the show forever. I'm um, going through it. Uh, what is a Cybertruck? These are my notes. <laughs> what is a, what is a Cybertruck? Uh, Gideon Wilson is mentioned in 
episode three. Now, Gideon Wilson is a kind of Captain America villain. You see him at one point. He's been uh, interviewed on a uh, U.S. news show. And that brings us neatly to talk of Captain America New World Order, which was a D23 at the weekend, and the revelation that Tim Blake Nelson is going to be in that Mm. as the leader marking his return to the MCU after 14 years away because we last saw him mutating uh, in The Incredible Hulk. Now, you know, Amon said this on the on the live show and I agree with him. I think that the leader may well show up in this show first. What do you guys think? I guess kind of makes sense with the Hulk connection. No. Um Especially because part of the reason they haven't done another Hulk movie is because of the right situation mm-hmm. with Universal, so they can't do a mainline Hulk movie. They can do movies that happen to have the Hulk in it and shows that happen to have the Hulk in it. And uh, as much as they clearly have a vision for this show uh, in its tone and its presentation, which is very much coming across from a slightly more cynical business point of view, this is a chance to do a Hulk property, introduce a new character that Marvel can fully do themselves, which is a Hulk character, but at the same time have a show that they can use the Hulk in. And so maybe part of that plan is, yeah, bring in a character who is established in The Incredible Hulk in through She-Hulk, and then into other parts of the MCU. Yeah. What about you guys? All agree with yeah. that? Seems yeah, like, yeah, I think so. Seems sensible. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. Sustained. Uh, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense. The only thing is, like, what's he going to be? What's he going to look like? You know, <laughs> does Tim Blake Nelson remember doing the <laughs> <laughs> Like Gwyneth. Like, I mean, that, that is the question. Do you actually see the leader in this show or is there a sort of shadowy figure behind everything la 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 that you know is on the end of the phone to Titania or those goons in the in the van and who we never actually see because will they want to look lock down his look at this point um, that will be I guess like a bit of a question yes because traditionally uh, I don't know if you guys know the leader in the comics and he's had different looks over the years mm. but traditionally the leader is heed move Look at the size of that head. That's a virtual planetoid. It's massive. He's got a giant. <laughs> it's like his bra- he's got a huge brain. He's got a huge he's... Like think Mars attacks, but less green. He's I I have I have watched smart. the Incredible Hulk once a very long time ago, so I don't remember much about the leader at all. Well, he's he's not the he's leader not in really that. He's, in it, he's yeah. Samuel yeah, Stern. So he's Mister Blue, who is the guy who contacts Mister Green, who is Edward Norton. And by the way, I also love that Ruffalo gag about. I was a completely different person yeah, back yeah. then. Yeah, so good. Literally. Uh, <laughs> but he is the guy who basically he's pretending to be interested in curing Bruce Banner of his hulkiness. But really what he wants to do is dig into it a little bit more. And so the last thing we see of him is a bit of irradiated gamma, irradiated hulk blood dripping into an open wound on his head and his skin and his head begins to mutate and bubble and change um, mm. and obviously they intended for The Incredible Hulk to be A, a good movie and B, a huge hit and neither of those things quite happened and so they've kind of left them off the table for the last 14 years but they've also been rehabilitating that that film a little bit which again you know I said this in the live show it's ridiculous that you can't see it on Disney Plus uh, you know the Hulk collection that's on Disney Plus right now does not have The Incredible Hulk in it as 
the one shots that, that were made around that, you know, a funny thing happened on the way to the Hulk, I think is one of them. Um, uh, and the, what's the other one? The counselor or something like that? It's, oh, this, they're Clark, the Clark Gregg. Agent 46. No, that's, that's, that's something else. There's, it's either called the counselor or something like that. Um, anyway. They're on Disney Plus. Go and check them out, along with all the other Mark Ruffalo Hulky stuff. But you can't see Edward Norton mm-hmm. as a Hulk on Disney Plus, is what I'm saying. Uh, and so, you know, they haven't brought him back for the last 14 years. They brought Thunderbolt Ross back. So, you know, what's what well, they've brought the Abomination back? But what about what about him? What's he what's he been up to? What's he look like? I think they were just waiting because now obviously they made a big head for the Grand Inquisitor in Obi Wan Kenobi for Rupert Friends. They were like, right, we've now got a big head prop. And oh, now we can. This put is that a bigger head. Bigger this head. A, this is a bigger head. <laughs> so imagine like my head, yeah. right? And then you put like a ladder: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten rungs in that ladder, and it's okay. stretching up here, but it's quite yeah. thin. Like Marge out. Simpson vibes. Like yes, like you take Mark Simpson's hair off mm-hmm. and you turn this her is green pure head underneath. Ooh, yeah. Imagine a bald Marge oh, Hammer. Yeah, she did like <laughs> that, you know. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Are are we all sexually aroused right now? (laughs) Or is it just me? (laughs) Is that an inappropriate question? I don't know anymore. Anyway, I I can't tell. But anyway, he's he's going to be it's going to be interesting. I suspect he is connected to the Wrecking Crew, Mm. who are a kind of low rent super villain team. That basically their big thing is that they're super strong, and they all have like. Tools. (laughs) Tools. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna wreck it. Yeah, one's called Pile Driver, one's called like Spanner, <laughs> one's called Spirit Level. You know, it's, it's it's that kind of thing. So they appear at the end of episode three. They're a bit inept. One of them looks a bit like a shit weird Al Yankovic, and you know, so I think they're working for him or maybe the Absorbing Man. So are they official Wrecking Crew characters? They're not just random. They are only guys. two of them are named in I the credits, though. Only two of them are actually named in the credits of that episode. So. Who knows? I mean, it makes sense from what you've said that um, there's obviously someone... In the first episode, Bruce made a big deal about destroying her blood, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Saying, this can't get out. So obviously that is kind of an underlying plot thread. That's what they were trying to get from you. What you've said, it makes sense that the leader would be after it. And the whole reason that she exists is because he was wearing the inhibitor to stop him turning into Hulk. Um, which was why he was able to bleed in the first place. You know, if he'd, mm. if he'd been kind of normal Bruce, he would have transformed during that car accident and essentially there wouldn't have been any blood, right? See, that's interesting because oh, yeah. is that the moment when, is that the moment at which Bruce Banner can die? You know, that, that famous line in uh, mm-hmm. Avengers where he goes, you know, I put a bullet in my mouth and the other guy spat it out. And then yeah. the, the idea is that the Hulk won't allow Bruce Banner to die. Mm, and yeah. the thing that I've been slightly bumping up against in the same way that Amon bumps up against Wong being, you know, slightly wrongen, is that shouldn't Hulk inhibitor be damned have taken over at that moment because that was a moment of intense danger for Bruce and er- ergo Hulk, if Bruce dies, does Hulk die? Mm. So Hulk would just go, no, fuck this, I'm taking I guess over. the inhibitor works pretty well. The in- and also, wow. there is also the question of, I mean, at that point, it's still smart Hulk, it's still Professor Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So where is kind of Hulk Hulk at that point? Do you know what I mean? Hulk Hulk may have been double dep- double suppressed, maybe at that point in Bruce's existence. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, that's that, that's interesting. Uh, anything in episode four you want to talk about? Uh, I loved Donny Blaze. <laughs> 
Reminded me a lot of... uh, uh, Job Bluth <laughs> in Arrested Development. The we demand to be taken seriously was uh, if, if they'd have started playing the final countdown, I would have bought into it. Um, I think I really enjoyed the fact that it had the proper court case thing going on. It had all the fun Madison and Wong's stuff, but also that was the kind of action that I'm quite happy for this mm. show to get involved in. Of like, she has to twat a load of bats. From an evil dimension. Bad twat. Um, <laughs> so a signature move. <laughs> and it felt like a kind of fun, high enough stakes that you'd need someone like She-Hulk mm. to intervene. Not so big that you need any other Avengers or anyone involved. Yeah. And was just a f- like a fun, different kind of action in the show rather than her, I don't know, having to fight some dudes to, mm. like, we have to clear all these bats out of the room and it's tied into this guy who is using magic that he can't really control and shouldn't be using. It felt like a real perfect storm of of like what a situation could be that really suits this show. And again, thinking about the MCU as a place, like what if this magic exists, if Camartage exists and you get kicked out, which we've established you can be kicked out, then what happens to you? Are you just going to go back to working in your workshop like Benjamin Bratt or are you going to try and use your magic some other way? You know, that that's kind of a nice little playful thing about the universe again. I, I, I think their procedure for people who leave Camertage needs to be tightened up a little bit. Mm, their security yeah. protocols need to be looked at. And clearly their paperwork as well is just a mm. mess. Yeah, but I love that he was he's clearly such a, a you know, a dickhead shyster that Wong knows exactly who's been doing this whenever... Madison turns up and her oh my god she's so funny we're back to Madison again let's talk about Madison (laughs) for the next three minutes and we're done I mean that's a character that could kind of fall flat but it's all in the performance the performance was just pitched exactly right it never tipped over too much into being crazy silly it felt very believable but the lines and the delivery of those lines was just absolutely delightful I want to see the scene with the demon what what was it was it a god (laughs) Yeah. Did you say it was a goat demon, Jake? Yeah. Well, she just turns up with a bloody heart. <laughs> I yeah. want to see. I want to see how she got out of it. She that deleted scene. <laughs> and she goes in exchange for six drops of my blood. Mm. And, uh, again, a one shot waiting to happen. Yeah. Do it, Marvel. Do it. Absolutely. Yeah, she's so funny. Um, everything she does in the, in the courtroom. But uh, that, that, <laughs> that why does why does Wong tolerate her presence? <laughs> like, what's what, I think he's Wong, She's endearing. Aww. And Wong's a party guy. He loves going out and getting trashed and doing karaoke. We've yeah. seen this. Mm. It's established. I feel like he's this on that night out with Shang-Chi and Katie. He definitely could have met a Madison type character and had a wild, <laughs> crazy like night around town doing who knows what. <laughs> Donnie Blaze, by the way, incidentally played by Reese Coiro, the husband of Cat Coiro. Hey. Did you know that Tatiana Maslany's husband is in Lock and Key last couple of seasons? He's in prison? No, he's in the show, TV show Lock and Key. Oh, good. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I thought she was doing this to get the money to bust him out. But <laughs> no, she could bust him out herself. No problem. Have you seen her? She's quite small. <laughs> yeah, but she's through formid- the keyhole. Have you seen her, Orphan Black? She's formidable. She is formidable indeed. A formidable actress. She yes. contains multitudes. Mm. She does. She does contain multitudes, as does this podcast. But anyway, that's that's it. Unless anyone's got anything else to say, no, we're good. We're good. Uh, I would love to do weekly She-Hulk spoiler special episodes. However. I don't think we can. So much TV. There's so much TV. And next week, our Andor spoiler special episodes start. They're dropping the first three episodes out of 12. And I think we're 
back with the mid-season of Lord of the Rings next week also. And are we also mid-season House of the Dragon? I We're think... also mid-season House of the Dragon. Oh, God, Wait, how many Lord of the Rings episodes are there? There are... Too many. Eight. <laughs> it'll be four this Friday. Will yeah, be it'll be five next week. Too House of the Dragon will House of the Dragon five. is episode five this week. Coming. Out of ten. Out of ten. We so thought we, we were working out with the half season thing, but all the half seasons have fallen at the same time. <laughs> yeah, they staggered the start of each of yeah, these shows, and now because they've got different lengths, it's all. Kind of all right, it's okay. It's okay because I'm not on the um, House of the Dragon one, and I'm not meant to be on the Lord of the Rings one, and. Uh, it's going to so be fine. It'll be, be fine. fine. It'll be fine. We'll make through it and we'll do some film ones as well. So anyone who doesn't <laughs> like TV will feel sated and will you know, feel rewarded for your excellent choice in subscribing to our spoiler specials. So there you go. Right. And so our next spoiler special for She-Hulk will, unless I do just go rogue and record weekly ones. On, we haven't on got the own. manpower. The engine's I'll do it myself. take it. <laughs> I'll do it myself, <laughs> goddammit. I'll recruit Benedict Wong and we'll just sit around... Uh, and then we'll talk about drinks. He'll talk about gin and tonic, I'll talk about Coke Zero, because it's literally the only thing I drink. Hey, this is not going to be a podcast with a different cameo every week, people. Remember who the main characters are. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) I should remember that. Uh, Speaking of drinks, real quick. So I drink Coke Zero, but I also drink um, San Pellegrino Limonata, which is tremendous. And someone the other day said to me when she saw that I was drinking San Pellegrino <laughs> said, ah, Tori Fanta. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like the Irish Rosa. Do you know what? I get oh. it. I, yeah. I totally get it. I, I knew exactly what she meant. Have you had the it. one, there's San Pellegrino lemon, but with a bit of mint in it? Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like it. Get nice. the, no, no, wrong. Get it's the neither is as good as the red, red orange, the blood orange oh. one. It's super good. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, on that note, that is it for our <laughs> She-Hulk Attorney at Law Sport Special. We'll be back with a post-finale dissection. And let's hope that the next four episodes don't go off a cliff. We've been, we were promised so far. They've delivered. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Fingers uh, crossed. My, my faith is strong. Anyway, it's time to say goodbye to my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Sophie Butcher. Goodbye. Benjamin Travis. Eh. <laughs> you leaned up to the mic and I was like I have no idea what he's going to do but he's going to do something me neither <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm doing uh, Helen O'Hara bye bye and it's goodbye from me <laughs> that was a bit of a bummer of an ending to this podcast wasn't it I bet there's a fun tag though case closed <laughs> thanks for listening see you next time bye You love Captain America? Give smooch. <laughs> no one's going to know no what that means. Go and watch Fuzzbucket. That's your post credit sting. Go and watch Fuzzbucket on Disney+. Plus. <laughs>